there's no way we're going to be talking more three hours. But I just no want God, to, no. I feel like we, I, I feel like that even this movie's a whole bunch about a whole bunch of repeating. I don't feel like it's going to be a long one. Okay, here he goes again. Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Woff. And we're on to, this is like, I don't know. We're almost caught up. We're, <laughs> we're almost current. We're almost current. The world we live in. <laughs> Every one of our episodes at this point has a connection to the previous one. It's, it's loose. This one we're going to talk about today has nothing to do with the first one we covered, but they all have a through line. You know, we're, it's funny that this is our sixth episode and we can play six degrees with ease. Oh, yes. Which is funny. And I'm not going to get into that. You can figure it out for yourself. That's the fun of playing Six Degrees. Yeah, you guys figure it out and let us know. Today we have Doug Lyman's Edge of Tomorrow, or Live, Die, Repeat, depending on if you uh, saw it in the movie theater, if you saw it at home video. Yeah, right. I don't know. The confusion there that Warner Brothers marketing department. Wash, repeat. The raw, wash, rinse, repeat. Yes. <laughs> Just remind everybody, hey, guess what? This is what happens. You probably already seen. If you haven't, I hope we're not spoiling anything. I think at this point, if you're listening to us enough, or this is your first time listening to us, we—I don't want to call it spoilers. We just talk about the movie. If we talk about the movie, guess what? We're probably going to give away some things that you will come across when you watch the movie. So it's your choice. You can. That way, you cannot pay attention when you're watching the movie, which is perfect. One of these days, one of these days, we're just going to realize we're probably better off just doing commentaries every week. Yeah, but whatever, it's okay. We end up talking. I love how we end up having conversations that end up being like 30, 40 minutes longer than the movie itself. Right. Like who wants to listen to that? Well, I don't know. I mean, you crickets. Know, maybe. <laughs> you let us know. Um, yeah, this, I love this movie. Uh, but again, it's, you know, I mean, like we had talked before we started, but, you know, if we had to make a Tom Cruise top 10 list, where would you start and where would this movie end up in that list? It would definitely would be, it be top 10 it would for be, you. If it would be top 10 for yeah, me. me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. One of the things that you get with a Tom Cruise movie where there is at least from an actioners, he's always the hero. And generally speaking, even if he's not in control, he's got the skill sets to maintain or to gain that control. Yeah. The mission movies, for example, but with this one, and this is what makes this so unique for, even for uh, a Tom Cruise movie, he's playing a character that has no military capability whatsoever. He's a PR guy, and his job is to get on television and just... He's a spin doctor. And yeah, he's, he's basically a propaganda dude to help get people to sign up and enlist in a, a, a global military. Right, he's, he's a recruiter for death. Basically. Right? I mean, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. He recruits young men uh, to come in and, you know, he cruises, he's, a, he's, he's a recruiter for the Grim Reaper. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And he, does. he uh, gets turned, his, his military heads end up turning him over to to uh, the, the British military, the head of the, the, the Minister of Defense for the, for the Brits. And initially the dude just says, hey, I want you to go down there. Uh, our biggest 
offensive. Uh, Our biggest offensive military maneuver in the history of humankind is going to, ironically, right. hit France. And we need you to sell this. This war is you know, storming of Normandy. When you see them finally get to that point and they're storming the beach. It's it, crazy, man. It's, it's crazy. It's it, like Private Ryan on steroids. It makes, it makes Private Ryan's opening pale in comparison for the complexity. Not that it's better. It's just far more complex. There's far more things going on there. Yeah, it's wild. So he ends up, he sits there with the Minister of Defense and basically being told by the guy, Mike, your CEO turned you over to me and you're my guy. I'm going to have you out there to report all this. It's like, look, I'm not going to do that. I'm refusing to go. Tom says, I'm not going. It's not an invitation. It's, it's an, an order. Invitation. <laughs> he goes, I'm not going to go down there and sell your propaganda. I've, I mean, I put men and women in your military. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. He goes, you're right. You're not. Right. And he's basically, he's been insubordinate. Right. And so now you're court-martial. You're, you're court-martial. You're, you're done. Deserter. So, so Tom Cruise, you know, Tom, Tom's character in this, you know, uh, what's his silly ass name? Major William Cage. He just called him Cage throughout the whole movie. We will just refer to him as Cage, Cage for the rest of the movie. It's going to confuse people. There is no Nick Cage in this movie. Or Luke Cage. Or Luke Cage. Just Cage. Or Bird Cages. Nope. Just Tom Cage. Just Tom. TC. Just Tom Cage. <laughs> Tom Cage. Tom Cage. That's how I'd, I'm just calling him Tom Cage from here on out. So Cage is leaving this his now CEO's office, right. and he thinks he's free to go. And, then and oddly, Brendan Gleeson, who I love, is really bizarre in this movie. He doesn't he doesn't move. He's like I felt like he was stuck. <laughs> his ass yeah. was glued to that chair. Even like, even fast forward to the end when he's doing that presser, he feels like he feels like, like an animatronic. Like Brendan Gleeson. Got, he's he's yeah, like he's got a stick of his back in and he's just kind of standing there like he's like turning to mick mars <laughs> don't pick on mick mars i love dude. mick um right so anyway yes so now cruise is cage is on his way out and then the minister of defense says arrest this man cage turns around and goes oh shit i'm done and he tries to bolt he <laughs> makes a run for it <laughs> it's hilarious too yeah because uh it's funny because somebody who's an action star and the way he takes off running is very non-action like, yeah, and I thought, you know, it, it works with the character. Perfect. He makes a great, yeah. Tom, Tom Cage Chris makes a conscious decision to, to, to be uh, uncool, to be uncool. Cause we all know he can look cool on camera. He knows he can certainly run you, on camera. See what you want to say about Tom Cruise. You don't have to be a fan of his, but he knows how to position himself. He knows everything there is to make himself look good on TV or in feature film like this. Yeah. He knows what lenses make him look a certain way. He knows how to sell it. So to see him run off after seeing, and well, at that point he had only done I think four mission movies. I right. don't think he had done. Uh, uh, yes, Rogue, Rogue Nation hadn't come out yet. I don't no. think later in the same year, maybe. Maybe, and he doesn't look like anybody that's hey man even played baseball as a youth. He's no Ethan Hunt. He's <laughs> poor Ethan Hawke. <laughs> hey man, is, he, is Ethan Hawke lacking athleticism? No, I'm just saying he, oh. I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I said Ethan Hunt and not Ethan Hawke. And oh. then I said Ethan Hawke anyway. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so. So, boom, he, he gets caught by all these military police and he wakes up on top of a big pile of duffel bags. Yeah. It was in handcuffs being kicked by Candyman, which is weird enough, that right? Wasn't, that wasn't that wasn't Tony Todd. That wasn't? Are you sure? No. I thought, I swear, dude, that's awesome. Oh my because gosh, you racist. Through the whole movie, I thought that was Tony Todd. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Tony yes, Todd? Yes, 100%. Because he would have had more than one line in the movie. <laughs> I, I doubt that. Uh, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I'm just, I assure you he's not. Come on. Get up, maggot. 
that's how he would have said it, but it, he didn't. I him. wish it was Tony Todd. It would be awesome because it's like he wakes up out of a dream every night and Candyman's there. See, that that's would why, be, that's see, why I was convinced it maybe, was Candyman. Maybe there was some intentional casting there because he couldn't get him. I don't know, man. I mean, I thought it was. I promise. I'd be, I literally thought it was Candyman. You just, and I thought it was like, racist. yeah, possibly, but no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that was Candyman. Holy shit. Well, my bad. It's not Candyman. See, it was a, I thought it was a cool like inside joke. Like I was like, ooh, that's awesome. Tony Todd in my nightmares See, keeps waking me up but and I'm, shoving. Yeah, and, I, and even I never thought that. I never thought that was Candyman. Yeah, I never thought it was Tony Todd. But I, but you're right though. I mean that that would have been great. I mean I just thought it, I just thought they were doing it, and I thought how cool. <laughs> and apparently it was just all my imagination. That's one thing that's fun about this movie. The storytelling is we only know what he knows. We never step away from him. We're right. always with him, which is always the more fun storytelling because you're trying to guess things. You're trying to you're just trying to pick up things that he's picking up or the character is picking up along the way. I hate when studios get involved where it's that kind of movie. And then they insist on reshoots where they want to stick something in there. Yeah, man. I hate learning about your main character from other characters. I mean, and I don't know how it fits, but during the re- doing the research on this movie after we've seen it a couple of times, I've seen it more than a couple of times. I'm watching it recently. I did some research on it. Jeremy Piven's got a whole bunch of scenes in this movie that were shot, but were never inserted. Huh. And But it was after they were done with principal. And I'm like, but Doug Lyman brought him on and shot a bunch of stuff. It doesn't say what it was. I don't know. It could be on the Blu-ray. It could be extra scenes on it. I don't know. Again, I had no idea that that was something. But that's the kind of thing probably could have ruined the movie. But that was Lyman. Lyman was the one that, according to that information, he's the one that insisted on doing these reshoots. And I'm being someone that's seen the movie enough times, I'm like, where would he be? Who would he be in this? What kind of... Seems like he'd be his PR partner or some, something. I don't know, man. I mean... I love the fact that like nobody knows who he is. Like it's, it's perfect. No I, one. That's what really sells the the video game parable. Yeah, you know, comparable that that people make for this movie. What's awesome is he learns everything about everybody, and nobody's and nobody still knows anything about him. Right. Ever. It, and for somebody that was the face of the military on television, you know, until you know we learn more about this hero, this female hero that we will discuss in a bit. The whole setup when he's with the Minister of Defense is, this is the guy. This is a face that everybody knows. I Because of me, they're signing the name on the dotted line to join your military and join the global military. Now, this leads me to this. Is he just a strategist? Like, because my thing is, like, how come nobody, like, all these people who... If he was the face and like, and I was in J Troop, I'd be like, hey, man, I signed up because of this fool. I, I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm just like... That's something too. But, but the setup to me is he is the face of it. That's why you see him so much on television at the beginning of the... You're seeing him right. do several scenes of, of interviews where he's clearly that guy. And then, I mean, then they have a little bit of exposition where they kind of like just give the details of what he does in that scene to go with the interviews that he has on television. So I don't... That, that is, if there was an asterisk that I have and that I, that I put on a lot of movies, when I see something weird, it doesn't kind of fit. That's one of them. That's one of them. Like, how come none of these people know who he is? But that's what, to me, what helps sell the whole video game thing. When you get that, how many how many uh, first person shooters you play with military thing where like where you get there and they're like, hey, we got a new guy. We got a new recruit and right. that kind of thing. And they don't yeah, know who sure. he is. I think it's funny. He's clearly been set up. It's an unusual thing because you, you, you think that these people should know who he is. They don't. 
But this movie is chock full of actors that really wanted to be in a fun movie that probably would have bigger roles and other things. And one of those shows up, right, as we're trying to learn more about Cage's new predicament that he's in. And we get our always amazing Bill Paxton shows up. Dude, it's like Chet from Weird Science grew it up. Is. He's all grown up. <laughs> Sergeant Major Shitface. What the Feral. <laughs> they only see it a hundred times. It's Feral. Master Sergeant Feral. Master Sergeant Feral from Kentucky. Yes. So you're American. No, sir. I'm from Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. Science Hill, Kentucky. Science Hill, Kentucky. Why do they call it Science Hill? I don't know. I never cared. Never cared. What was it? He's, and he's from Cranberry. Cranberry, cranberry New, New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> Grow a lot of cranberries and tomatoes. Why do they call it Cranberry? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Bill's just chewing scenery. He's great. Making a day of it. I love the fact that it's all his, well, as it unfolds. <laughs> and we keep meeting him day after day. That's Master Sergeant Farrell? Master Sergeant Farrell. So he meets Master Sergeant Farrell. He gives him his his lovely, warm welcome. And then uh, Farrell pulls out his paperwork, Mr. Cage's paperwork, and says, well, according to this, says you're a deserter. And it said you'd want to talk to your CEO. You, you'd want a phone call. You want this. You wouldn't be wanting to do anything to disrupt this mission. And you impersonated an officer and blah, 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 yeah. blah. He was, he was finding out something that he's been, you know, Cage is like, now I'm set up. I'm done. I need to talk to somebody. He's like, Farrell looks at him and says, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'll get you that phone call. As they start walking along, Cage realizes like, wait, this is, you're not taking me to phone. Where are you taking me? Wait. And he takes him in to see the J squad. Takes him to the barracks. And then he realizes like, oh, damn. Of course, he gets introduced by Farrell to all of the individuals that are part of J squad. The misfits. They're not just, they're not just. They call us the grunts, Grandma, because we can take it. Wow. Uh, I was Charlie Sheen, sorry. I get him and Tom confused. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but it, I, this is our aliens moment, right? This, this is our this is our aliens moment. You get your colonial marines moment. And just like with the colonial marines of aliens, you have a whole bunch of, you got a mixed bag of ethnicity going on here. And not just ethnicity, you've got a mixed bag of nationalities because there are a couple of Brits here too. So this is that whole thing we are talking about earlier. It isn't just the United States military. It's not just the British military. It's a global right, military. Right, it's like the world the world army. Yeah, there is. This is not World War Three because World War Three implies the world is fighting each other. The world is trying to fight as one unit against survival. These this alien kind that they refer to as the mimics. And we haven't seen much of them yet. I think you might see a little bit it's uh, a little bit like the, in the, uh, the news reports at the beginning, but not much more than that. Well, we did see, and we also, we saw a bit of the, when he woke up on his uh, duffel bags, there's the shot of the bus driving by to victory. And it's, you know, and, it, the and, first it's, time. and it's the first time we see uh, Rhea. Full metal bitch. Yeah, full metal bitch. She is the face of, of the military and success. The first big victory they had since the mimics have taken over or have, have come to the come have come to Earth. I can speak. <laughs> Mimic mimics mimics, and he's as Emily Blunt playing. Let me fucking spell over her name again. Verdowski. Verdowski. And we're we're just gonna call her Rita. Sergeant Major Rita Verdowski. Yeah. So it was like, hey, it's Emily Blunt, but we're not gonna we're not gonna see her for a while. This is a global effort because the. 
There's no other way of doing it. No, man. They're they're at Heathrow right now preparing. They're to, in game. I mean, this yeah, is this it. Is, this is it. And it doesn't matter anymore where you're at. And they're going to France. We know that much at this point that this mission is to hit France. They never say Normandy, but we all know that's what they're referring to. It's the last stand for humanity. So after he's done meeting essentially the colonial Marines of this movie. The United Defense Force. <laughs> the UDF. UDF, baby. Isn't, isn't that a kind of SD card? Yeah, I UDF, think so. UDF. You get a uh, shot for that. It's the UDF. <laughs> Ur- urinary D. Uh, <laughs> Deficiency, uh, <laughs> urinary discharge, urinary de- defects. Oh, gross, man. <laughs> Nasty. That's kidney stones for short. That's the, uh, that's the, uh, three letter kidney stone. Uh, yeah. I can just imagine myself in a couple of years and doctor says, me, got, you got kidney stones. Oh, I got UDFs. UDF. No way, man. Oh, damn. UDFs. You know what? Uh, well, I'm just going to throw this out there. When the clips, right. Where he, there were major William cage and he's on, uh, was it the lead or whatever? Like one of those things. I swear, man, I freak, I, I had to rewind it. Let's just go back a bit because I thought one of the newscasters of the thing was Ramona Shelburne. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it wasn't, but I was like, for a second, I was like, you know, 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. That's not her. Just saying. Could have been. Should have been. So, and just like with aliens, we now go from the barracks after meeting everybody. And aliens, they're all meeting. They're all basically meeting together at dinner. Right. So here we get them in the barracks. And we get in the barracks and meet them that way. And the next shot we see is very much like the, the, the preparation for the drop down to LV-426 and aliens. They're all kind of like, the only thing that was missing was, you know, James Horner's military snare drum just kind of working its way in there. But everybody's getting ready, getting in their echo, echo suits. We're getting, suits. we're getting a little piece of uh, everybody's personality. I did love this scene. We should talk about that real quick. Uh, where uh, you know, there's the card game, and he like, makes everybody eat the cards. Oh yes, you know that's very aliens bonding moment. Yeah, which becomes the throwback as we keep going through this. You've got the feral character is very much a pawn from right. From it's aliens. like Hudson grew up. Yeah. Well, no, he's a pawn. Right. He morphed into a pawn. Yeah. Like, I don't want. I wish they would have just named him Hudson. <laughs> uh so everybody's getting ready in their exosuits. Tom Cruise, in this case, he doesn't know shit about anything. Oh, so yeah. So they put him in the suit, and one of the other guys is, like, helping him get in the suit and reluctantly. But he knows, like, I got to do something for this guy. You know, he, I got to do this. He's being ordered to. It's one reason he's doing it, because everybody in that J squad doesn't want him there, because all you know about him, he's a deserter. Right. And they don't care anything. They don't care about who he is. Other than that, they think he's just a dude that hates them and thinks they're, they're or he worthless. Thinks they're, yeah, he thinks that you know the, the, his life's worth more than them. That's right. what that's what and, that's what they've been sold, right? And that's what they think. So they get him all roped up in there, and he says, "Well, how do I turn? How do I use this? How do I turn off the safety?" He's like, "You don't. No, you don't. You, know, it's <laughs> you don't. They don't. They don't. They're just they're, they're thinking this guy's inexperienced. Last thing you want to do is get shot by him because he doesn't know how to use the right. weapon. So don't let him use the weapon at all by not let him. Yeah, just let the, let, let, let the mimics get him." <laughs> that's kind of what they're thinking but like you're saying we get to meet everybody and we get a little bit of who they are well it's clues because it it, it works into the storyline so we do we, you know as the audience we're getting the same thing Cruz is getting or right. Cage is getting we're getting the you know this is who these people want you to know who they are so we, we get little little bits about each one of them so that we can sort of now we identify we remember who they are right as we come back to them time and time and time and time and time and again. 
it's it's easy to make that aliens uh, parallel. Oh yeah, especially with the drop. It's because the drop, everything. But even before that, how many uh, how many females are part of the drop? One in aliens. One right. And, well, Ripley and Vasquez. Well, yeah. So but, two. But she was a military. No, she's Tom Cruise. But so Vasquez. She's Cage. Okay, yeah. So Vassy is. But, right. But think about the female in this one as part of the team. She's got a little bit of an accent. Yep. Nance, it, right? It was, Nance, she's Nance. Yeah. Nance. They're not trying to be, they weren't trying to be, um, this is one of those fine lines. Like, is this an homage? Or are they just flat out ripping? It has to be an homage because if they're going to steal it, they wouldn't literally go from the meeting to the preparing to the drop, which is basically the three beats in Aliens. It's there as an homage because there's no way Doug Lyman and anybody else involved in this movie didn't absolutely love Aliens. In- no. No, there's no way. So now, now they're in the vehicle and they're preparing for the drop and they're just like with Aliens. They got their opponent, in this case, Farrell, yelling at everybody, preparing for what's going on here. And our boy Cage still doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No idea. And he's going to get dropped into this thing, and he's not going to know how to shoot anybody. He doesn't know how to function this thing. They're obviously up in the air by all the sounds. or You're not you're not seeing them in the air. Just like we mentioned earlier, the audience is with Cage the whole time. So we don't see the external. We don't see them take off because we are with... Right. We're a third party, we're, but we're always with them. Just think about it as it's the office. And the camera's always there. Right. Camera's always there, and we learn as it learns. All, all of a sudden, the bottom opens up as they're preparing for the drop, and Cage freaks out because he's like, he's looking down. The floor just dropped out, and you're, you know, several thousand, several hundred feet above, like, a battle. <laughs> and, and no, they're, they're above water. Well, right, yeah, because yeah, yeah. They're, coming Because they're the beach. coming to the beach. And it's like, what? And you're, like, right there with them, like, what's going on? Cage is yelling at Pharaoh, like, I need somebody to tell me how to do this. I got to be able to turn off the safety. I'm not going to be able to fight. They get hit with a missile. Blows up a big hole in the side of their aircraft. And we all know what happens when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, people start getting ripped out first yeah. of all. People are getting ripped out. People are actually pulling their lines. They're dropping unintentionally. Farrell's still walking up and down yelling at people in the middle of all. It's pretty awesome. Again, another one of those very video game type of moments. The aircraft's just about to explode and then Cage pulls his rip and he drops. And that's another one of those great moments where he's flying past the camera, camera flies past him. There's so many neat moments as he's kind of free falling, trying to figure out a way of slowing himself down as he's approaching the ground at a very rapid speed. He finally gets something that slows him down, right? Just There's like a little zip line, but it's not like a parachute or anything like that. No, it's like, like a, it's like a sort of weird sort of, I'm not sure exactly like, what like, that a, is. Like, like a reverse projectile that kind of like slows him down yeah, from falling. It's uh, it's almost like a being on a bungee. Yeah. Guess snaps him back. And then he lands face first right on the beach, sand and water. It's just chaos going everywhere. Everywhere. Explosions, screaming, yelling, gunfire. You're watching. Rockets. You're watching, you know, uh, aircraft that have been blown out of the sky landing on the beach. One of his guys from J Squad's all on the ground. Woohoo! I did it. <laughs> and, and then their ship lands on top of him. By the way, uh, what was that cast name? Was it uh, it's Griff? Yeah, Griff is the one that gets like it has the ship land on at the beach. Right. He's he's of interesting note. He's one of the funniest moments of the movie when they're preparing for the drop, and he uh, he freeballs it. He gets Literally. into his exosuit like not wearing anything. 
I mean, unfortunately, we get to see his ass cheeks later. Yeah, we, we, I, we see a little I have, bit more than we need to see. I, I have no issue with male nudity. It doesn't bother me at all. It's just, at, who wants to see you fat man ass? Yeah, but it's not Griff. It's uh, it's Kimmel. Kimmel, yes. Griff is the guy who gets saddled with yes. uh, with Cage. That's right. You take care of him. Yeah, Griff is the, Griff is the guy from, uh, shit, what's he in? Damn it. Griff? Yeah. Oh, he, well, he was in Spartan, but he's also, isn't he Speed Racer? Yes, Speed Racer. He right. plays the mechanic. Yes, Sparky. Thank you. Sparky. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. Because it looks exactly the same. Yeah, totally. By the way, Speed Racer. We're going to be on that Yeah, one. for sure, man. Speed Racer's the shit. Also, what made me laugh is Griff is the only cat in the military who's unshaven. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is he like, is he just sort of in you know, another movie and he can't shave? But yeah, so... Uh, so, okay, so Kim, Kimmel is the heavy set dude, and yeah, he free balls. Anyway, ship lands on him on the beach. Chaos everywhere. People are landing, controlled landing. Ships are landing. People are jumping. Ships are crashing. And everybody's just running around not knowing what the hell's going on. And I thought that was really funny because this is their biggest offensive move in the history of mankind, as you've said. It doesn't seem to be very organized. <laughs> it is a mess, man. It really is. Um I- I mean, the, the, you look at the, you know, the Normandy scene and, and at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. Yes, it's chaos, but it's, they, they clearly have a plan. Storm the beach, do this, do this, do this. But I think it's in the, the, the filmmaker's intention just for you to feel completely out of sorts. Absolutely. Because, because we are with Cage the whole time. We want to feel completely out of sorts like he does and that's probably why it feels well it's probably seems a little more organized to other povs because this is with these guys but to him who's never been he's never been in combat he's not a military guy uh even the most organized would feel but i I mean i think they just do a great job of like that creating that battlefield chaos it's just you know and the way that you sort of first when they first reveal the uh the mimics like i was like what i remember thinking i was like what the fuck are those yeah you know, they just like they look like they look like like cables, like uh, like live wires, just sort like, of yeah, what whipping around, like, and, like those those bendable like mic stands, right? Yeah, it's and, like, and they're just whipping around. Yeah, and you're just, like, and the mimics have a very much a uh, like, they, like they took the sentinels from from Matrix and said, you know what, let's make this actually be scary. Right, it works. And those it, things when, are freaky, man. And it's not just one type. We discovered that there's several there's, different types. There's seven different types, but there's one who's got you can actually see a face on, and its mouth is always open, and it's got this glowing blue orb coming out of it. And we meet that guy after Cage figures out how to shoot finally his weapon, and he just shoots things. He's going crazy, just blowing things up, and he and runs he realizes out of, he's pretty good at it. He's like, going, "Wow, I'm, 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 I'm lighting awesome. it up." And just like every first level of a video game, it's always pretty easy. Yeah. And you can figure it out. But then when you get to that one point, the boss. you didn't read the instructions, you're like, <laughs> oh, I don't know how to reload. And the mimic with the blue, with the glowing whatever it is out of his mouth is kind of looking around at things. And Cage is laying back after he's exuded all of his rounds and he sees the Claymore mine next to him. And he's kind of like eyeing the mimic, grabs the Claymore mine. As this mimic rushes him and he blows up the claymore right as it approaches him. And then all this shit, this blood just oozes all over his face and melts. Right. Well, it's like, it's again, aliens. It's like they've got acid for blood. And it melts his face and boom. He wakes up up on the duffel bags. Being kicked again by Candyman. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Right? This is like where, and he's just like, you know, it's the same sounds. It's the same vibe. He's being kicked. He's being yelled at. 
Here comes Sergeant Farrell rolling up on him. This is where the movie really feels like a video game. Yeah. This is you being respawned. That, that, that's it, straight up. We see the uh, we see the but we see the the bus go by with Full Metal Bitch on it again. And I saw this in the theater. I had no idea what the movie was about. I mean, I have an idea uh, in the sense that I knew this is a military movie and this is the yes. alien thing and all that. But I had no idea it had this, for lack of better phrasing, Groundhog Day element to it. Right. Well, again, uh, all the more reason, thank God, they didn't call it Live, Die, Repeat before it came out because I probably wouldn't have gone to see it. <laughs> Which is what it was supposed to be called. That's what no, the director, right, Doug Lyman, I... wanted to call it that. And it was kind of kind of crazy. I mean, the original story comes from what I discovered was called a light novel. And it's kind of like a mixed bag of it being a novella with a lot of photos. So I guess in a lot of ways, Cycle of the Werewolf is a light novel. Sure. But it was called, uh, originally the movie was supposed to be called the same thing that the light novel was called, which was All You Need Is Kill, which is an interesting title. But Doug wanted to change it to Live, Die, Repeat because they didn't want the word kill in there. I'm like, but you put the word die in there. Right. Whatever. Repeat. <laughs> Warner Brothers Marketing said, you know, how about this? We're not going to use either. And we're going to call this Edge of Tomorrow, which is a great name when you realize once you've seen the movie that there's a repeat factor and reliving of moments over and over again. Edge of Tomorrow is a great name. Yeah. If you saw it in the theater, then Live, Die, Repeat doesn't mean anything to you. Nothing. If you didn't see it till it hit home video, Live, Die, Repeat means everything to you because when that movie went for pre-order on Blu-ray, yeah, man. you go to Amazon and search Edge of Tomorrow, it wouldn't come up. Right. Because it was listed as Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, it was weird because I remember getting the email and I'm like, what the hell is Live, Die, Repeat? Yeah. And I was like, that looks like Edge of Tomorrow. That's Edge of Tomorrow. What is it's this just live like, there repeat thing? It's just like Wake Up Ron Burgundy where they shot so much extra footage and we made another movie. Yeah, no, I was I was totally puzzled. And then I was like, why in the... And then I'm like, I, I mean, I get it, what it means, but it kind of ruins the movie for you if, if you haven't seen it. So Cage wakes up. Again, this gentleman that looks like Candyman's kicking him. Here comes Bill Paxton playing uh, Sergeant Major Farrell again. We're right there with Cage. We're like, what's going on? He's really confused. He's having a deja vu moment. So are we. We're like, this is weird. What's going on? And then he tries to warn Farrell right. at this point. I said, I think I've been here already before. I think I know what you're going to say next. <laughs> yeah. And he's picking up little things here and there just to test the situation to see, did I remember this? You know, what's going on? He tries to warn Farrell that the invasion is going to be a failure. And obviously he doesn't want to believe him. But he's saying certain things to Farrell that was making him kind of stop and go, what, what? And mostly he's just incensed that he's interrupting him. Right. He doesn't, he's not even hearing him. <laughs> All he knows is he's being like. He, he doesn't care that he's already said something. You're ruining my punchlines. Yeah. That's <laughs> what he's saying. This is a well-scripted movie. It had many script doctors on it. You let me say my lines, you son of a bitch. Right? I mean, yeah. But he's yeah. that kind of guy. But that's, that's been good. But on the screenwriter standpoint, the last person to touch this was a name that people will associate with with Tom Cruise and that's Christopher McQuarrie. Chris McQuarrie, right. He's the last one to kind of touch all over it. But there were a lot of people involved. Hell, even Orsi and Kurtzman had had a stab at it, speaking of uh, Star Trek movies, which we were just talking about recently. And again, not a surprise because they have ties to Tom Cruise as well with uh, the third mission movie. Right, the third uh, and fourth one. The for JJ that one. Yeah. Yep. Again, because they're JJ's guys. Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, they're, they're directors now, but they were they started off as a screenwriting team. You know, they did stuff, lots of stuff with JJ. You know, uh, Star Trek reboots, uh, um, the show Fringe, right. which was a fantastic show. 
they're, three seasons. Yeah, they're they're fun fun writers. I don't think they work as much together anymore. I think they kind of divided. I think they still work on features together, but TV is their own thing. Anyway, like doesn't matter. Babalu, Mandel, and Lel Gans. <laughs> How can you watch like in an eighties, early nineties movie and not see those guys' names on? As soon as I see their names, it's like that's going to be funny. Yeah, right. And then, and then Mr. Saturday Night came out, and I'm like, that's, that's not funny. Not funny. What happened? <laughs> it was intentional. It's okay. I expected something to be more funny, but I realized what they were going for once I saw it. Right. We may cover that sometime. Who knows? I mean, a little mini episode or something like that. You know, either that or uh, nothing in common with Tom Hanks. One of those movies. So I saw the same. Nothing broke my heart more than seeing his, Jackie his big feet. fat feet. Dude, I, can't, <laughs> I know. I can't. God, wa- I've never been able to watch the movie again because of that. What, what was the one with Billy Crystal called? Memories of Me? Memories of Me. With, yeah. With, which is basically. The I mean, same that, thing, right? It's his, that's his idol, which is why Mr. Saturday yeah. Night is basically. It's Alan King. Alan King. Yeah, yeah. After he tries to warn Farrell, he's kind of, we're kind of re-experiencing some of these things we've already experienced once before. We soon realize that he keeps resetting and we're seeing different versions of it. And now we're in serious groundhog day mode where we are repeating several things and he's trying to pick up more information about other people around him so when he can reverberate those things back to him they can maybe actually listen to what he has to say because he know more about them than they know about him right so eventually gets to a point where he realizes that you know what i gotta get to to rita the, well, he goes back the second time he resets, right? He basically because he does the same. In, in, instead of this, the, so we see him. He try to save uh, our buddy, naked guy, naked guy, and he gets killed. And he resets, and bang, there he is on the tarmac again. Here comes Candyman. Ah, oh, here comes Farrell. Back to the barracks. Bang, drop again. This time he saves. Uh, he he saves the he saves Rita, right? Right. Uh, they fall just out of frame. But he didn't save her. <laughs> but he didn't. And she says to him, find me when you wake up next. And bang, they both die. You're both like, what the fuck? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I, mean I was like, well, I remember seeing it. I was like, what? The f- what? What did she just say? Right. And then he wakes up on the tarmac again. And there she goes by on the side of the truck. And Candyman and Farrell, you know, says, yes, now, so now we're into the cycle. We don't know how many times we're into it at this point. We don't know how many, but, we, do, we don't but, know how many but times Cage, But Cage it. is now developing, uh, he's got enough of the routine down. He knows what happens. He knows if he does certain things. And now he's trying to, with that knowledge, get himself away from, from J-Squad and get to Rita so we can talk to her. She obviously knows something. Right. We get a bunch of loops going there because he inadvertently gets himself run over by a jeep, and right? <laughs> and we see, we, and yes. There's, so there's the, that whole thing, and it happens, and then he shows up, gets to her, and she's like, "What do you want? Something on my face?" Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you told me to come here. He talks to her a little bit, and doesn't take very long before she realizes that this guy knows something that I need to share with somebody else. So the two of them go see Doctor Carter. I'm like, who's Doctor Carter? And what is that guy? What else is he in? He's got a. He's got that one. Uh, yeah, he well, he was in Life Aquatic. He was also in Almost Famous. But uh, well, you know what? It's funny because I was like, why does he look so familiar? Because I just started watching Hannah on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I, I, have, I know I'm going to go deep into it, so I have to like wait. So we we meet Carter, and Carter's an expert on on mimic biology, and he basically is breaking it down to Cage. Says, look, man. Those mimics are just like, it's like a hive mind kind of thing. And there's yeah. one central. There's uh, a brain. There's a brain. Brain bug. And that's then they call us the Omega. 
and we find out that there, there's that thing with the blue, the, the, the glowing blue mouth. He's, he's an alpha. Right. And alphas have a capability of manipulating time. And so when Cage blew him up with the Claymore mine and the blood melted him out and he, and he basically gave him the capability of resetting himself. He has no control over it. It just resets when he dies. Same time loop. Day after day after day after day. And we discovered this is the same thing that happened to Rita, which is why she knew what she knew. But what we also discover about her is that she did not die and was given a blood transfusion, which ruined it. Yeah, that's what took away her capability. Of, so she tells him, it's like, any time along the way, during the training anyway, the training later on, I, uh, they may say it in this moment too, but she says, if you ever get hurt, make sure you die. Right. Because it, if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be in a hospital and they're going to, you know, give you a blood transfusion or in her case, I woke up with three pints of somebody else's blood in me and I had my capability was gone. And all you have left is the memory. The memory of it, right. Carter says, uh, hey, so have you, uh, do you have any uh, premonitions or any uh, visions? Are you seeing anything that you shouldn't be seeing? And uh, Kate is like, what? And he's like, yeah. yeah. So we get that moment. This is a, this is another sort of, you know, it's, it's decently done exposition. It's fine. Yeah. It does, I, I, doesn't bother me. It's not like a, it's not like a cheap moment. No, it's smartly done. And, and you have to have the you have to have it because you're just not going to be able to. Well, again, we're learning with him, so it's like right. you know, it's but, like we're being asked the question, right? And just like a video game, you get there's lots of exposition in video games with cutscenes. Oh I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of a cutscene, right? Is to give you a bunch of information you don't know, right? We go back. He goes. We go through. Now we go through a whole loop of him finding her on the beach. Time after time after time, and failing to get off of the beach, right, and cutting back and forth between that and this moment again, where they're trying to they're doing a training montage, but they're also like strategizing which way you got to duck, which way you got to turn, which way you know. As we're setting up this, them finally being able to sort of fight as one on the beach because they got to right. get off the beach for it to continue. And this is them constantly trying to get through. This is their this loop where they kind of go over and over again. And there's one point in this movie where, and we'll get to that too, but you're, you're already wondering as an audience participant, you're thinking, what, what's going on here? How many times is he repeating? And you get a little bit of that in dialogue later on, but you know, it brings me back to the, you know, the fact I mentioned Groundhog Day a couple of times, but several years before um, Harold Ramis had passed, um, someone asked him at, you know, some, some Q and a session said, Hey, on the, on the Groundhog Day front, uh, how many times did Bill Murray's character, Phil, repeat his day? He basically alludes to the 10,000 years. Wow. Because my question would be, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Cage. Like, Cage basically is learning all the skills that he did not possess right. in a day. So, but how many resets is this? Right. How many resets is it for, for him? And, uh, again, <laughs> making the... The video game reference, how many times did you have you repeated a certain level? Man, there's a certain point where if you if you're struggling to repeat a certain level in a video game, I mean I'll tell you I'm not playing it I'm not playing it ten thousand times, that's for sure. Cheat codes. Cheat codes. I'm just gonna like screw this level, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gonna go play Pac Man. <laughs> I'm uh I, I'm trying to figure out how many yeah, man, how many times does that happen? You have to just wonder. Um, 
There's one moment too where Dr. Carter says to him, you know, asking me, are you having visions or anything like that? Right. And uh, obviously this is something that Rita was experiencing, you know, having visions of, of the hive mind and all that. And he was saying no, but as things are progressing, he's in, he, he's living the life over and over again. He's become, it's becoming more and more part of They're him. starting to be able to track him. Yeah. So Kate has a premonition that the Omega is in this dam. Right. Some of the Germany, I think it is. He see, yeah, he sees walls. He sees a dam. He sees German riding mountains. So they say, hey, that's that's the, that's the so, joint. Yes. And he's like, can you find it? Oh, look, it can't be that hard. <laughs> there can't be that many dams yes. with German riding on them. Right. <laughs> so uh, repeating over and over and over again, they finally, both Rita and Cage make their way safely through the beach chaos to a countryside in France somewhere. They get a vehicle and they're, you can't run a lot of motor vehicles without the mimic sensing you. Right. And they already knew that. So they're playing this. They see this truck and it's got a trailer on it. And they're like going, as soon as we get, we got to release the trailer as soon as we get the vehicle because the, you know, we need to be at that speed and this is going to drag ass. She's driving the thing and he cages back to trying to release the trailer. And just before he's goes back to release the trailer, it explodes from a mimic just out of nowhere. My question for you is, yeah. was the mimic inside that caravan? <laughs> so yeah. Suddenly it looked like it exploded out of the inside of it. taking a nap. Was taking too, a nap. <laughs> Sleepy. Doesn't mean to mimic sleep? Yeah, man, they must. He was taking a nap. He was just in, having a siesta yeah. on a, in the French in the countryside. A caravan, and now they've ruined it and he's pissed. Yeah, I don't blame him for being mad. No, I mean, He was taking on. a nap. Who likes to be woken up from a Three nap? Three bottles of Beaujolais. He was probably a little tipsy. Just crawled in there for a nap. And now what's going on? Yeah. Being drug all over the place. Probably getting car sick. Probably so, what, he was probably puked. And that's what pissed him off. That's what it was. Woke up. like You oh, know. I mean, if they no, got acid dude. for blood, but their vomit's not very. Well, because it is. He kind of vomit on her. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. A little gets bit her of on a the burn. back. Yeah. <laughs> what's that? What movie was that? When it's hawking like acidic loogies of people. Weird science. <laughs> something else so they're having this standoff with this mimic and they finally figure out a way of just killing it and they release the trailer and they end up finding themselves in some farmhouse and kind of like hiding trying to figure out what they're going to do next and uh both rita and cage are having a conversation now and she goes we should just take that helicopter he goes all right i'll, I'll look for the keys you stay here and they start he, he tends to her wound from the mimic whatever it spit on her whatever it was Whatever that was. <laughs> Acidic loogies. <laughs> Tentacle juice. <laughs> They're having a little bit of expositional dialogue, and we realize that, you know what, even though we've been following Cage from the beginning and experiencing what he's experiencing, obviously we haven't been experiencing every Everything. single one of right. his... Reboot because they have the nice moment where they're talking and she's obviously, you know, I don't like to talk that whole piece. Yeah, and he obviously has known discovered more about her through the repeats. He ends up having fallen for her. Right, they're not they're not super like that. They're not they don't really it's not overly uh, uh, suggested that he's in love with her, but he clearly has learned to learn more about her, and he doesn't want her to die for a lot of reasons. Well, it's the burden. It's the burden of memory. Yeah. Right? They because both, they, she, because they, she suffered from it. Right. Until she... And see, that's something, I, and just to make sure that, that it's not misconstrued, he's the only one that is reliving this. Her memory about... Her memory resets every time he resets. Right. He has to meet he her. Has he to, has to convince her he's again. He's got to do it all over again. 
Um, but when they're in this farmhouse and he, you know, he's being hesitant about, um, let me go look for the keys for the helicopter. He's got them. He has yeah. them the whole time. And she, she feels weird about something. She asked him, how many times have we been here? And we're like, oh, wait, whoa, wait. Right? Like now it's kind of a so mind fuck. Even though this is the first time we've seen it, because every time he's reset before, we're always resetting. With him. And we're or right. something that we've already seen before. This, yeah. this is the first time we've seen the farmhouse. And then he tells her, and we've been here, we've been here. He doesn't explain to her, but, but other than he just admits that we've been here before. Right. The only thing that happens when you start the helicopter is you die. He doesn't... Yeah, he tells her, he says, you just, you stay here. You hide in the basement or you hide in the barn. I'll go do this. And she's like, I'm a soldier. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So she grabs the keys, goes to the helicopter. And sure as shit. Sure as shit. As soon as, as soon as those. I mean, dude, it's like the, the, the rotor's not even like in full rotation. It's yeah. like. And then it came out of like the, the these haystacks. <laughs> right. I mean, he said it was what, 20, he said it was 20 or 30, 50 yards away. Right. It was more like 50 feet away. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> in all a over haystack. Her. And then the thing starts attacking the helicopter. She's trying to, you know, gain some uh, elevation. He runs back this in. This is another fantastic action, oh, chaotic action oh, sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes running back into the barn to to uh, get his weapon and he goes back there and starts, he's trying to shoot he's trying to find moments to shoot where he's just not going to kill her but he knows even though he's doing it he's just doing it out of out of a knee jerk right. reaction because he's he's he done knows. enough times he knows how it's going to end it doesn't work it's doesn't, not going to happen he's not going to save her so what does he do kills himself resets right. but this time when he wakes up he doesn't get her yep hops on a motorcycle and heads back to to London and we're like, what's he doing? Well, he's deserting. He's just like, yeah, it's yeah, over. He's, he's bailed, not going to work. He's bailed, right? And he's sitting in, in a, a bar. Yeah, and he, and he and he realizes that. So once the once the mission fails in France, the mimics are going to attack London next. So he starts having visions about the dam at this point. He's he. This is where he's kind of broken, right? He's lost her. He knows it doesn't matter. No matter what he does, he's not going to be able to save her. And he's like, what's the point? And this is the same thing. This is the same, again, this is, again, this is why people make that comparison to Groundhog Day. Right. Because this, mo- this is the moment where Phil, whoa, dude, 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 dude. <laughs> right. They're both named Rita. Yeah. There's another thing. What right the there. fuck? How did I not do that just now? I'm not, I'm not, I mean, yes, they are both named Rita. What the hell is wrong with me? Anyway. So just like when Phil has given up that he's never gonna he's never gonna win Rita's heart in Groundhog Day, Cage isn't gonna be able to save his Rita. So he's in the bar just kinda like, fuck it. Fuck it. What's the point? What what is the point? Just wait for the inevitable. She's dead, we're all gonna die. Doesn't matter. I'm the only one that has to keep reliving this thing over and over again. I'm gonna dictate when that restart happens. But then he starts having these visions about the dam in Germany. He listened to the people talk about when they were in Normandy, and he's like, what good is it? Bobby gives his speech, and they're like, coward, coward. He leaves, and that's when he see, you know, that's when the end's coming, because all the, uh, I thought he was going to hop over the bridge into the river. So once she finally dies again at the farm, he he decides to fly to the dam by himself. And he gets there, and it's it's a setup, because there's an alpha there, and there's two other mimics there. They knew the whole time they were controlling him in a lot of ways. They were feeding him imagery that right. wasn't true. The Omega was not at the dam. Right. And somehow now 
they could just kill him, right? Right. No. They can't because he's because resets. Because he'll just reset. Right. So they, they injure him because they want to be able to take his blood back. They want to take the the thing that they that he took from them. He hijacked this capability from them. So now he wants they want it back. So he eventually figures out a way of getting himself to the <laughs> quick little scene and boom, he's dead again. And here we are on the tarmac. At this point, Cage and, and Rita, they make their way to, to the Ministry of Defense because there's this prototype that Carter built right. that they're trying to get back from. Because Carter one time said, they don't believe me. I've created this thing. I think it'll work and hypothetically it'll work, you know, because he's a science and everything is hypothetical unless you can prove it. Right. It's all theory. So they go to the Ministry of Defense to, reach, to obtain this thing. And after Cage pitches enough to our boy, here, you know, who obviously doesn't have the greatest relationship Robot with. Robot Gleason. <laughs> yes. Robo Gleason. Robo Gleason. He opens up his safe and gives him the prototype. He's like, if all this shit says it's going to go down the way you say it's going to go down, what's the difference? Well, here you go. There you go. And so they get it. They walk out the door. They're, you know, they're like, all right, dude. Let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this thing. And what happened? It's and an ambush. It's an ambush. All the military police are there. I'm like, oh, man, you can't trust this guy for anything. I mean, I, I thought it was, I was like, come on, man. I mean, but, you know. I mean, but why, but why you give it to him? You got to take him at his word. Why give it to him? Because you could arrest him right there in the office right. anyway. What's the difference? Yes. Well, I know it was a really weird situation. So, so some really great moments of. Uh, she blows his brains out. Yeah. Just, just and then getting, kills herself. Just get, gets reset. Or not. We like, don't know what, what happens just, to her. She doesn't need to. We don't know what happens to her. It just resets. Yes. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and then there he is on the tarmac again. So, now here's a question. Yeah. So they kill himself, they reset it again. How do they get the gizmo back? Because I totally forget. Oh. I don't remember. And I just watched it. What? I mean when Right? I, so no, they have it. There's, no, no, no. Wait, see. So so when they reset, we already jumped to the fact that he's already they already have the unit. So they're just we're just oh, in a right, different we see, escape yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different right, right, right. There's so, the montage. So again. it only happens twice. Right. The first one where he gets, they get ambushed, and the second time is when they're in the car and they're trying to escape, and she's driving the car, right. and he starts using the unit. And she jams it in his leg. Yeah, and then he's able, he gets eyes, get all these black <laughs> sclerals. Dude, and, he turns into the black oil from the X-Files. Yeah, it's weird. It's rad. Yeah, it's good stuff. And through some wonderful visuals that we've already seen when it's come to his visions that he saw earlier about the dam, uh, they find out the Omega is at the Louvre underneath the parking structure at the Louvre. They're so trusting in it. They're so sure of it. But this time they're using tech as opposed to his blood only as, you know, before he was already been fed garbage. He's been fed. Right. He's been fed something that's not true. Uh, is he having another vision? Is it a legit vision? But this time he's got the the device that Carter created. The filter, if you will. Yeah. Letting him see what's He's truly true. hijacking. Exactly. <laughs> he created a portal into their bullshit mimics. Uh, so right, right after he has his vision, they get in the car accident and Cage is badly hurt and he wakes up on a cot. Granted, he's strapped. He's obviously under arrest. Right. He's getting a blood transfusion. Right. And he just starts like, freaking out. The, the, the nurse like walks out on him and he starts freaking out trying to get trying to get himself out from underneath this this cot that he's strapped to he flips the bed over to his upside down which I think is great it's really well done I remember somebody having a conversation with somebody years ago do you think do you think Cruz really did that Mike that dude hangs himself outside of a C-130 you really think he's not willing to turn himself over yeah, right. on a cot I totally come on yeah no it's good stuff. <laughs> it's a good sweet I love this sequence so he flips it over 
He's trying to get the knee. He's trying to get the, the transfusion to stop. Anything he can. He was trying to find a way to kill himself. Yes, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's it's gone. He's had enough of somebody else's blood has diluted the capability of uh, resetting, just like Rita. Right. He's it's gone. Rita finds Cage and helps Cage escape, and they head back to Heathrow. Now. They haven't taken off yet. This is still the night before. The thing is, yes. you remember about this. Every time it resets, this still starts in the it's beginning. Still six a.m. Six a.m. It's, it's the morning for they they are supposed to attack. It's only been hours. Yeah. And they just Heathrow. How far away is Heathrow from where they're at? 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Like so 15. they get back. So they get back to Heathrow and they start talking to J Squad about coming with them, saying, "Hey, tomorrow, man, it's not going to work." Right. So we're all gonna we die. Can go, we're gonna die. So you can go do it today, or you can die tomorrow, or you can die tomorrow again and again and again. Well, not in this case because tomorrow you're gonna die. Tomorrow's it. It's over. Is it? There is no resetting. So they get enough of gas from from J Squad and they agree to it. And they, what do they do? They go. It's still a vehicle, man. And they fly. They're flying. To, they're flying, flying to, to the Louvre, France, man. They're gonna blow up the Louvre. They're, they're, we're gonna blow the Louvre. Up. Haters of art. <laughs> Time to blow up the Louvre. We're gonna do that. So, so J Squad, Cage, and Rita, they're flying into France. I mean, they're already in. They're, you know, they make their way in there, and they shot down, and they're coming down. They crash, and it, and there's water everywhere. Right. Yeah. There's not. It's the river's overflown. There's a whole bunch of weird shit going on in France. And France has been the sewers are flooding. Yeah. Because the mimics are living underground, and it's it's nasty shit. It's toilet water everywhere. Gross. It's nasty. In a landing, not quite right at the Louvre, and not where they're close enough to. Right, they're not close enough to where they can get to Louvre and drop a bomb and, and kill the Omega. They're too far away, so they have to use the vehicle to get there if they're going to get there at all. And then they end up grabbing all those some of the J Squad guys, sacrificing themselves, putting themselves between them and Rita, yeah. just so they can make sure they can start their vehicle back up and make their way to it. Everybody dies. Yep, everybody all dies except for. Everyone from J Squad sacrifices themselves. Some, some intentionally, some not intentionally sacrifice <laughs> some themselves. Some are just, yes. And they're able to start their vehicle up. And even though it's an airship, they have to challenge just run on like a boat and yeah. make them slam it into the Louvre right as the mimics are chasing up on them. They get tossed around everywhere. It's another fantastic sort of, I, I love shit like that. It always reminds me of like the you know when the bus in uh, or when the train comes smashing the wall in Silver Street. Yes. <laughs> nice chaos. Yeah, it's perfect. Rita knows she's done. She has to distract the Alpha that's yeah. there, so she gives Tom Cruise a kiss on the mouth or just gives him a kiss in general, right? Yeah, thanks him for helping get her that far and basically just sacrifice herself. She's she's dead. He's kind of making his way down, trying to swim, trying to swim away from the mimic. You can see the Omega down below. He's got his mouth just full of uh, the strip full of grenades. And then he gets zapped. He gets zapped by the um, one of the mimics, like just one of his tentacles on right in his chest. And he drops the grenades. He lets the and, six and, pins go. And, and, he, and turns around and looks at the mimic and kind of like Beow. opens up his hands. And you see the fuck you mimic. see the pins. <laughs> thing lands <laughs> Right, right inside the crevices of the Omega, and then he just goes boom. Yeah, man, I love a good underwater explosion too. He gets, uh, I love the con- concussion wave that pushes him, throws him out of the water. It's so great. 
and the whole Louvre blows up. He starts floating down into the water, <sighs> and guess what happens? The Omega's blood is now engulfing Cage. Cage, covered in it. And he wakes up where? He wakes up on a helicopter. In Whoa. a helicopter. Holy crap, we reset to the beginning. Was it a dream the whole time? Is this, or is he seeing it? We don't know. Yeah, right. We, like, we don't know anything. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So he gets to where he's he's supposed to go to. Like it was at the beginning of the movie. He gets to, to the Ministry of Defense. And as he's met the same way, he's greeted by the same woman. Oh my gosh, he's going to have to this whole thing all over again. Right. Robo Gleason, the whole bit. And as he's walking up, he sees a televised event, a Robo Gleason talking about victory. He's giving a, a Churchill speech. Sometime this morning around blah, 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 there was a major power surge in Paris. And it seems like the, the mimics are unable to re- they, they retaliate. Can't they can't fight. They're just running around like groundhogs, dehydrated baby groundhogs in circles. And we realize, whoa, so the Omega Juice... Didn't just allow him to repeat, it allowed him to reset everything. Everyone. And every, but was not, what, he's still dead. I mean, the, all the thing it did was that it's, it's one of those weird moments, too. You kind of, that's one of the hardest things to wrap your head around. You're buying into the whole repeating thing. Right. But I'm like, oh, well, if that happened, how did the other thing not happen? What? <laughs> right. Cause I was also, was he, is he dead? And he's just kind of like, Really now, it's just like the best version of you know that's his safe place. So that's just where he went to because he wanted it all to be right. okay. And they killed the Omega the night before the morning they're supposed to storm the beach, right? So how'd that happen? What happened there? I was like, okay, it's everything reset, but he's still there. But the event, wait, what? Because where it resets, it's the morning. It's the morning it's, he showed up. It's the morning he showed up, which is the which morning is the, of the night when they come back in. A, and blow up the Omega. Right. So he's here at the beginning. This happens up here at the end when they blow up the Omega. And then they come back to this point. But now that's it. But that event still happened. It's really weird, dude. It is. I mean, now that I think about it, it's like... The ending doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, now they've gone... He's gone back two days, right? Yeah. It, it's because getting, he wakes up... Or or is it the same day? Do we know if it is it the same... Is the day he showed up at Rebel Gleason's that he gets arrested and then he lay, they beat him up and he wakes up handcuffed? Is that all one day? And it's it's just the next day is uh, when well, the drop happens. Yeah, because here's it is a two day thing. So yeah, so so see, so it makes even less sense. Yeah, for sure. But it's okay, man. Because that's still Cause, it's cause, cool. Okay, so no, so no, let's, let's just talk about the timeline here. Okay. Yes. So the movie starts. He's right here, right? Movie starts. He's here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he fucks up and ends up right here. And this, this is a repeat point. Right. Right. This night is when they blew up the Omega. Yes. But he goes all the way back to here and this still happens. Yeah. That's weird. Because Tom Cruise is already dead. Yes. Isn't he? Or he's dying. We assume he's, he's dying, dying right. because otherwise the blood wouldn't. If he's already dead, the blood's not going to do a damn thing for him right. anyway. So he can't be dead. He's dying. He's, he's dying. In the act of happens. dying. So what's the thing? I wish I, I wish this never happened or I wish I could reason. I don't know. I wish I way. I wish I might. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Weird. It doesn't change my opinion about the movie, but maybe it open it, it opens up the the paths to the sequel. The, 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 well, maybe that's right because now we're going to get live, die, repeat, repeat. Yeah, is what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. Live, live, die, repeat, repeat. And I think, 
looking back on it now, I think that's probably why they did what they did by oh with yeah the, with the, by changing the name because in 2015 when the Blu-ray came out, that's when they announced the sequel. Right. So I think it's kind of tied together with yeah. That, that would make sense. But here's the thing: if it's called "Live Die Repeat," in a subtitle is "Edge of Tomorrow." What's this one be? "Live Die Repeat," repeat, repeat. Repeat. <laughs> no, I think it is though. I, feel, no, I know it's called. Right? I know live, it's called die, repeat, die, repeat, repeat and repeat. It's yeah. It's right. called live, die, repeat and repeat. So, but if if live and live, die, repeat is the actual name, and the the subsequent stories are the subtitles, like a James Bond movie, James Bond, the James yeah, Bond, right, the, right. So it's live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. Live, die, repeat, repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, totally. It's, I it's confusing. You. Yes, but um, so so yeah, the, the movie has a very very um, yeah. Man. I don't want to say ambiguous ending, but it's just it's, it's a wee bit confusing. It is a wee bit confusing. And I've seen it. I don't know eight, nine, ten times. I would say I've seen it at least five times. So six times. It's odd that just now, as we're sitting here talking about it, that ending not making sense. I want to say this because I feel like every time I've seen it before, I've seen it in isolation. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it or talked with anybody about it. Uh, right. You know, or in depth or like really thought about, you know, and how, how, what the story is. And, you know, you, at the end, you're just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like. We, you know, uh, Melody and I introduced the movie to Joey just not even a month ago. That's why, I, that's another reason why I was frustrated. Oh, really? Why I couldn't find the movie because I knew I just watched it. Other than seeing the movie theater in 2014, this is the only other time that I watched the movie with somebody else. Like you're saying, you get that isolation. So I get what I get what you're saying, and I didn't. We didn't have much of a conversation afterwards. And Joey really liked the movie, and I think he was. I think anytime I'm introducing a movie to him, he feels like it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's something that oh, oh, Dad's going to show me one of his favorite movies that I wouldn't normally be allowed to watch by myself, or something along those lines. Like Aliens, I don't mind if he watches that by himself. There's only like there's only like one line I got to deal with, you know, the ulterior pointing. Yes, I got to dance around that, but there's still there's still fun jokes in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, looks dude, at looks at love at first sight to me. Again, that's a movie I probably I think I've seen it in theaters a couple times. Like the last time I went was in 2011, I guess, which was the 25th anniversary. About that, yeah, yeah, at the at the New Beverly, and you know, we had you know cast members and stuff show up. So there was like Q and A and it was really cool, but it's like, you know, a lot of times I feel like, you know, most of these movies, I, you know, you see them in isolation and that's why this is, I mean, that's why I enjoy doing this so much, you know, sort of seeing something and then actually being able to sit down and actually talk about it and sort of talk through it and, you know, you know, geek out on it. Kicks of the week. Kicks of the week. Rooney getting his face kicked in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what my kicks of the week is? I didn't pick anything again. We're so fucking horrible about this. I, 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 I get it. <laughs> I'm getting to the point now where I feel like, you know what? I think our kicks of the week are going to be in total inserts. And after the fact, it's still, I still, <laughs> still want to do it. But I'm finding, especially you, you probably, and you found it this week. You found yourself literally oh. waiting until the 11th hour to, Dude, to watch I, the movie. Dude, I've had no time. I mean, literally, I, I got home every night this week and I was like, oh, do I have, because it's a, you know, it's a fairly long movie for, it's two hours. It's two hours. But getting home like at 
nine o'clock and then having to get up at four o'clock. It's yeah. just, it's really like, I, I just knew I wasn't going to get sit. Through, I wasn't going to get through it. And then I, I didn't want to try to to part it over to, and then last night I was like, yeah. Yeah. And that's something we didn't talk about in this episode. I thought for sure. The uh, Lyman a- aspect. Well, not just the Lyman aspect, but the fact that he did two movies that kind of mess with time that aren't linear li- time. Right. But you think about it, it is a linear movie anyway. It never, never does anything. It does. It's, it is go. It's a grown up version of go. Yeah, for sure. It absolutely. It's just, it just, re, it's just, I don't know. So, uh, that's it really. I think, I think that's I th- all. I think we closed it. And so you have, enjoy your ambiguous ending to the movie. Enjoy and, that. Oh. If you figure it out, you let us know. Yeah. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at KaratePod, K-A-R-A-T-E-P-O-D. And if you really want to bug me individually, you can hit me up on Twitter at Corey Culp, C-O-R-E-Y-C-U-L-P, or on Instagram at Culprit97. What about you, Fred? If you'd like to hit me up and leave me uh, hate mail or whatever, you can reach me at Love at Raven Shattuck on Twitter or Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram. Or mine, whatever. <laughs>